Thank you, team. Take your Bible and go to John's Gospel, chapter 1. Today we'll begin reading in verse 24. We're in this series about the Holy Spirit, and today is that sixth message, and next Sunday we'll be in Pentecost Sunday, which uh, uh, is Acts chapter 2, and we'll be right there uh, next week, so you join us in Acts 2, be reading those first two chapters as we come together next Lord's Day. Again, good to see all of you today as we look at a message that I've entitled, The Baptist Promises. John 1, beginning in verse 24, and I'll read through verse 34. You follow along as I read because this now is the Word of God. John 1, 24. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him and said to him, Why then are you baptizing if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize in water, but among you stands one whom you do not know. It is he who comes after me, the the thong of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. And the next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he on behalf of whom I said, After me comes a man who has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. I did not recognize him, But so that he might be manifested to Israel, I came baptizing in water. John testified, saying, I have seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and he remained upon him. I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. There are Baptists who will disappoint you. You hang around with me for a while, I'll disappoint you. You hang out people in this church that are Baptist folk a long time and they can disappoint you. But there's one Baptist that has never nor will he ever disappoint you. In this text, Matthew in chapter 3 in verse 1, when you uh, read his gospel, he calls him John the Baptist. And in Matthew eleven eleven, Jesus called him John the Baptist. And then in chapter 16, verse 14, the disciples, when referring to John, called him John the Baptist. He came, as our text said, baptizing, baptizo, means to dip or plunge, to place under. Uh, John came baptizing in water, but he said, there's one greater than I. He's coming after me who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. That is the Christ. John speaks and sees Jesus coming And he gives us two great promises, this baptizer. And some of you uh, think about baptism. You say, well, I don't really think I need to be baptized. Well, (laughs) Jesus was baptized. 
So how about you? All right, it's his pattern. Well, when you're placed under that water, we are symbolizing Jesus died and he was buried. And we come out of the water symbolically that he uh, rose from the dead. Well, we are identifying with Christ in baptism. In this service, you come, take my hand. We'll set a time. You trust Christ and we'll baptize you. doesn't save you, but it is the sign that you have been saved and you should be. You should repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, says the Word of God in Acts chapter 2. Baptism. John did it, and he gave us two great promises with two pictures from the animal kingdom that he used. He speaks of the lamb and the dove. The lamb in verse 29, he says the lamb of God came to take away the sin of the world, that is Jesus. And then you find him in verse 32 speaking of the dove coming down out of heaven and remaining on Jesus. The lamb and the dove. Two promises from John the Baptist. I want us to look at them uh, this morning. First of all, there is the promise of the lamb of what I call the substitutionary atonement. The promise of the lamb. Look in verse 29. The next day, John, he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is our substitute. We get our theological phrase from this, the substitutionary atonement where he came to take away the sin of the world. He took your place. He took my place. You should have died. I should have died. But Jesus died in our place, the Lamb of God. Now, the Jewish world knew all about the Lamb. Uh, they knew it because the Passover, that was... Uh, You'll find it here in John's Gospel pretty quick. Coming up, you'll read it was the time of the Passover. You, you know that story from Exodus chapter 12. The people are there, and God says the death angel's coming. However, if you will take the blood of a lamb and place it on the doorposts of your house, when the death angel comes, when he sees the blood, he will pass over you. But if there is no blood, the firstborn of the home was taken. The Jewish community still celebrates the Passover. When God saw the blood of the Lamb, He passed over and there was life. The Jewish people knew it not only by the Passover, they knew it from every day in Jerusalem at the temple. Every day. The Bible tells us in Exodus 29, 38 through 41, Every morning, a lamb was slain. At twilight, every day, a lamb was slain. Morning and twilight, there was a lamb slain. It was the lamb offered morning and evening as the sacrifice. And then the prophets gave it to them again and again. Isaiah 53 is probably that most pointed place where uh, the prophecy is of one who is coming like a lamb led to the slaughter. Jesus, of course, was that lamb. He said not a word, but he was a lamb led to the slaughter. That lamb tells us of the love of God, the sacrifice of God, the suffering of God. But there's one other thing, and we usually do not identify this with the lamb, but don't miss it. It is the victorious triumph of the lamb. In the book of Revelation, 
29 times you find the word lamb, lamb. 29 times in that great triumphant book, the Lamb of God. I just want to give you four of them uh, quickly this morning, but you find it 29 times. You can run the references uh, in, in your own time. Uh, but in chapter 5, in verse number 12, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Worthy is the Lamb. Hear me, beloved, the Lamb. The Lamb is the only one worthy to pay the price for your sin. You can't do it. Only the Lamb is worthy, and He is the great victor. In chapter 7 and verse 14 uh, of the Revelation, we find, And they said to Him, My Lord, you know. And He said to me, These are the ones who have come out of the great tribulation, and they have, had their, uh, they have washed their robes and made them white in the what? The blood of the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb, but then they were cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. You say, Priest, that doesn't make any sense. Red blood, washing them white. Yes, that, that blood paid the price and washed their sins away. Worthy is the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb pays the sin debt. Chapter 17 and verse 14, the Bible says these will wage war against the Lamb. Here comes the great victor, and the Lamb will overcome them because He is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those who are with Him are the called, the chosen, and the faithful. He is the victor, the victor. Hallelujah. He, he overcomes. And then we find in chapter 19 and verse 9, that beautiful picture. And he said, right, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are true words of God. The marriage supper. Now, we don't understand that because we don't do weddings like the Jewish community did it. You talk about feasting. They went to get that bride and all of them brought her down. And there they were with the groom and then there was a feast. Oh my goodness. We just do weddings a little differently today. I don't know. It's just things change culturally, I guess. I don't do many weddings in here anymore. All the brides I meet want to get married in the woods. I don't understand it. But, uh, they, they want to go out in the bushes somewhere and uh, under an arbor and uh, pray, they pray. And, and then they ask me, they say, pray it doesn't rain. I said, well, I built a house down here. You don't have <laughs> But I know it, it'll come back and uh, things come and go. And then we have a little party with cake and punch. Oh, but the Jewish festival, my Lord, the marriage supper. They party hardy. Amen. Friend, there's coming a day when you will be invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. He will invite you to come and sit down, and you will be worthy to be there, not because of one thing you have done, but because of what the Lamb has done. John saw him. He's waded out. He's in the water, and he looks up, and he sees Jesus, and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. The Apostle John picked up on in the first John chapter 2 and verse number 2 when he gave us that great verse that he himself is the propitiation, one of my favorite words in all of the Bible because you can spit on the third row when you're preaching hard. 
It becomes the propitiation for our sin. But not for ours only, but for the sin of the whole world. That word propitiation means the atoning sacrifice. He has paid our sin debt. Your friend Jesus died for you. He paid your sin debt. He took your place. He is the substitute. He, he atones. It is the substitutionary atonement. The Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. We've all sinned. Everybody in here that sinned this week, raise your right hand and say amen. amen. The rest of you come to the altar. <laughs> Some smart aleck will say, oh, preacher, you know, it's Sunday, so this, this week, I, I, don't give me that. You've sinned already today. Your arrogance just did. And we understand we have a sin debt, right? It's a debt we can't pay. I was coming to church early this morning. I drove in as I do out the back gate. I, I noticed there were three police cars parked at the Karis house. And I said to myself, this is not good. There's three cars at your house. Three police cars at your house wouldn't be good. And so I thought, well, I probably ought to check into this. And so I drove over and pulled in the driveway, got out, found one of our uh, fine police officers standing outside, one of our ladies there in the yard. And I said, is everything all right? And he kind of looked at me and she said, it's all right. He's our pastor. He didn't know me. Uh, I don't know all the police officers in our county. Some of you know them all. Uh, <laughs> you, you've met them up and down the road, you know, but I don't know them all. I know some of them. Amen. I know the kind ones. That's the ones I remember. Well, we began to talk and share a little bit. So everything was fine. We got worked out. And th those ladies that we've had over here for years, they come to us out of addiction and uh, alcohol and drugs and abuse and difficulties. When Jesus came, he died for the sin of the Karis house. Now, if you think that is sin deep over there, you ought to come in here. It's just as sinful here as it is over there. Don't ever forget, there is none righteous, not a stinking single one. That includes you. Somebody say amen. amen. That's every one of us. And behold, the Lamb of God for the Karis house and the church house. He came to take away the sin of the world. Hallelujah. What a Savior. And friend, he'd save you today if you'd cry out to him. As those girls get saved, as you get saved, we come running to Jesus. He is our substitute. We should have gone to Calvary. We should have died for our own sin. But he stepped in and said, no. I'll take it. I'll take it. And he died for you. Died for me. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He died as the propitiation for our sin, not only our sin, the sin of the whole world. Hallelujah. The Bible said he cast as far as east from the west. One verse says he put it behind his back. One verse says, he remembers it no 
more. Now, your mama's not going to forget, but your Savior will forget. He has the capability. What a Savior. Behold the Lamb of God. Secondly, there not only is the promise of the Lamb, there's the promise of the dove. The promise of the dove. And this is the promise not of substitutionary atonement, but of spirit baptism. For he says in this text, I have seen the Spirit, verse 32, descending uh, as a dove out of heaven, and he remained, he remained, don't miss that word, upon him. He says it twice in verse 33, he says it again, I saw the Spirit descending, and he remained upon him. This is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Now listen to me, look right here. When you get saved, listen to me now, when you get saved, you are baptized by the Holy Spirit into Christ. You, You are baptized of the Spirit. That spirit never leaves you. You are forever saved. You are ever secured. You are sealed. We preached about that a few weeks ago. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit. You are in Him. And from that day going forward, then we must learn about sanctification, the anointing, and the fullness of the Spirit. If we have the Spirit, why would Paul say, be ye filled with the Spirit? We have it. Well, He does not have all of us all the time. There needs to be a fulfilling, a filling of the Spirit, the anointing of the Spirit, the touch, the sanctification of the Spirit within our life. The Holy Spirit is in you. The Holy Spirit illumines you to know and do the will of God. He strengthens you for the work of God, and He purifies you to the ways of God because He baptizes you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. But now listen to me. The central, the central problem for the believer... If you're saved, look right here and turn your ears on. Turn your phone off and turn your ears on. The central problem for the believer is not liberalism or modernism or Catholicism or communism or rationalism. The central problem for every believer is meism. Meism. It's what we find in Matthew 20 and verse 22 when Jesus is with the disciples and he's telling them he's going to die and he says, I'm going to drink the cup of death. And they say, we'll go with you. And he says, he asks them this question, can you drink this cup? And they say, Matthew 20, 22, we are able Never been a greater lie told in the history of mankind. You don't have to look many hours down the road till Judas gave him up. And not only did Peter deny him, the Bible says they all, all the disciples, all 11 of them left and fled. In the Greek, that means he hightailed it out of there. They ran for their life. They were not able. And don't you ever think you are either. We are not able. He is able. The moment we seek me rather than thee, we are in the flesh and the dove flies away. The dove came to Jesus and remained. Friend, when you get in the flesh... The Spirit of God is still in you, but the anointing flies away. 
The peace of God will fly away. The dove will leave you. Doesn't mean you're not saved. Doesn't mean God's not still in you. Doesn't mean the Spirit of God. But the unction and the anointing and the fullness. Galatians 5, 25, 26. Mark these verses in your Bible. Galatians 5, 25. If we live by the Spirit, if you do live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Oh, I wish he'd have quit right there, but he didn't. Verse 26. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. What causes us not to walk in the Spirit? These three things. And the first word is the most important. It is the word boastful. The King James gives us a great translation of this word where he translates it vain glory. Kinos doxa is the word. Kinos, empty. Doxa, glory. Empty glory. When you boast of yourself, it is empty glory. And the Spirit of God flies away. Again, you're not lost. You're just in the flesh. You've walked in the Spirit, and you've walked without it, and you know what I'm talking about if you've been a Christian very long. See, what we must do is shorten the amount of time between our sin and our repentance. You sin, let it go for days and days and days. But if you cut that time down and become sensitive to the place that when sin enters your life, you confess it, power of God's in your life. Now, I know none of you ever do it, but I've seen people like this. They go to Walmart, they gather up their stuff, and they come in, they, they get in a line, and there's a 19-year-old boy standing there. Cash or credit? Credit. Number three, they hadn't got a man or a woman in the joint that can run a cash register. They send you down to a machine you never looked at with plastic bags hanging on the side of it. You start scanning that code, boop, boop, boop. Then you got apples in a plastic sack with no code. What is it? We're all busy. I said busy, I got money. And all of a sudden, you lose it. And the dove takes off. You're driving down Davis Highway. There's a one-eyed blind lady in front of you. She got her blinker on turned in one way and swerving over into your lane, won't go on, and you get mad, and you, you honk down the line, man, get out of the way. You go to Wahoo's baseball game. Your team gets way behind. You decide to leave a little early. You go down. You, you just start at the gate. And the guy said, whoa, 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 you can't leave yet. So we got a child. It's lost. And he locks the gate. I said, I already got one foot out the door. He said, you can't go. 
And he looks at you, he said, Pastor, how you doing? <laughs> and I know none of you ever have that trouble, but let me tell you. R.T. Kendall. R.T. Kendall. I got our staff reading his book called Total Forgiveness. You never read Total Forgiveness. I dare you to read it. I dare you just to read chapter 4. I've had staff come in, throw the book down, and say, I ain't reading no more of that. R.T. Kendall says that a dove and a pigeon are the same animals anatomically. But environmentally, they are on the extreme opposite poles. He said, when you walk around in meism, you hadn't got Jesus religion, you got pigeon religion. You're living in the flesh without the power of the Holy Ghost within your life. And that is why the church is in the mess she's in today is because we got pigeon religion. It's flesh. Saying the words but not living the life. You can do the Lord's work in the Lord's way. Or doing the Lord's work in the Lord's way is not some exotic experience it is having and practicing the life of Christ in and through yourself. Now mark it down. There will be periods, even when you are walking in the power of the Spirit, when there is weariness, there are tears, and there are battles. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit. It does not mean the weariness. Jesus got tired. He had to sleep. He wept. It does not mean there will not be tears. There are battles. He fought through all the way to Calvary. And you will find that there is a strength when you are not in the flesh but in the spirit where you overcome even through weariness and tears and battles that you will not know any other way but you got to come to the end of self and say oh God fill me and confess your sin love your enemy I wish you just had to love those that were loving you Boy, Jesus spent a lot of time talking about those that persecuted that we must love them. At the end of the, we love the Lord's Prayer. We get to the end. But then there's two more verses. We miss it. We, we ought to make this a part of it. If you confess, if you forgive your brother, God will forgive you, but if you for, don't forgive your brother, he will not forgive you. Shh. And the dove flies away. I think it's the most pointed illustration of the spirit life that Jesus ever gave us in John 7, 37, 38, 39, where Jesus said that when you come to him, that out of your innermost being will flow a river rivers plural rivers of living water verse 39 it says and this he spoke of the holy spirit who was not yet given but at pentecost as we'll see next sunday when the holy spirit was given he is in us and and he is to flow through us flow through us now he, 
It's, it's probably the illustration used by more pastors through time than ever. When you go to Israel, you go to the north, and you look and you see Mount Hermon. There's snow on Mount Hermon. The snow melts. It runs down the rivulets and runs into the Jordan River, and the Jordan River runs. And at the mouth on the north side, it runs into the Sea of Galilee, a beautiful place filled with fish teeming with life, people living all around it. It's, when you go to Israel, you take a boat ride. It's a marvelous place, and you're there. Then you get to the south end of the Galilee and the Jordan River picks up again and it runs on down and it goes and goes and goes and then it comes to a second body of water called not the Sea of Galilee but the Dead Sea and it is dead for one reason is because it only receives and never gives Galilee is alive because it both receives and gives but when you only receive and you don't give you stink you're dead and dead stinks See, the Spirit of God is in you to flow through you. Over at my place, about a mile back over here, I live on a little plot of ground where there's a pond. Two miles up the way, there's a spring head. It's in the backyard of the Springhead Baptist Church. That spring head runs, flows down a couple of miles, comes into my pond on one side, flows through, flows out on the other, and keeps on going all the way down to what used to be Monsanto now, the Ascend plant that is down there and runs into the river. But every now and then our water doesn't flow. Why does it not flow? Because some demon beaver. <laughs> and we have to get in there and tear that out. That's why we bought my daughter a pair of waders for Christmas last year. So <laughs> she can get in and help us. And we get in and tear that out. And you got to get that out. Friend, when, when you got beavers damming up your life, you got to get rid of that so the water can flow. It's called the confession of sin. Oh, when the river runs, isn't it sweet? Friends, I've preached with anointing and I've preached without anointing. It's sweet when the anointing comes. I've lived my life with anointing, without anointing, and I'm telling you, it's, oh, there's sweetness in the anointing of God. You just trust Him, there's peace. There's nine flavors of the fruit of the Spirit. It's not nine fruits. It's just one fruit. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, faith. That last one is the greatest one, self-control. You can do that in the flesh, can't you? You do, but you don't have any enamel left on your teeth. That's the problem. Because when you come to that and you lose it, the dove flies away. And we've got to cut down the time between our sin and our confession. And when we do, the Spirit of God comes in fullness and flows through us. There's a river of life flowing out of me. <laughs> Amen? Sets the captive free. I got a river of life flowing out of me. Mm, have you got a river of life flowing out of thee? Friend, if you don't come to the fountain, and Jesus will give a flood. And he can do more with you in a moment through his power than you can do in a whole lifetime. But you mark this down. You quench him, 
you can lose all you've done in a moment. I got a text from a good friend of mine this week dealing with this stuff in Baptist life. He said, I'm praying for you. The last thing I want to say to you, Ted Trailer, don't be stupid. Probably the most spiritual thing I've received all week long. Don't be stupid. Olive, don't be stupid. Walk in the fullness of the river of life flowing through you. Somebody's here today needs Jesus. I want you to come, trust him. Somebody's here needs a church. I want you to come, trust him. Somebody's here and just need to fall on this altar and say, oh God, fill me. Feel me. I don't know what your need is today, but I'm right here to help you say yes to Jesus. Somebody to come join this church just by yourself. Dad, you may need to just reach over and take her by the hand. Say, honey, let's go. Maybe the whole family needs to come. Be a part of this family. It's where God's put you. Amen. Come. Or maybe you're just, as Dr. Crystal used to say, one somebody you all by yourself. Angels will attend you in the ways you come. As the Spirit of God speaks to you, you come. And say yes to the will of God in your life. If the dove has flown the coop, come ask him to fill you and for you to walk in his presence and power.